note here on uh, just our hardships. And um, we we'll look at the, the story of, uh, really the beginning of the story of the Exodus. And uh, just the title of the, the message this morning is The Tale of Bricks. Okay, The Tale of the Bricks. And um, I think you and I this morning were, um, we're just glad that if you're saved here, we're glad that, that we, uh, our lives have been changed, but also our perspective has been changed. And I think there's a vast difference, isn't there, between how uh, the lost view the world and how we as God's people, as believers, should view the world. There should be a vast difference, right? And hence, there ought to be, in, uh, by extension, a vast difference between the way we view um, hardships, disappointments, afflictions, and how the lost view hardships and, uh, hardships and disappointments as well. And what the Bible teaches us and what wisdom teaches us is to have a dis- different perspective uh, to the hardships that we face. And I think all of us here would understand that uh, all of us would face some sort of um, disappointment, some sort of hardship. There's times where uh, God allows affliction and trial and troubles in our lives. But um, I hope that we have a different view of that, though. I hope that we don't view it the way the, view- the world views it, the way that the, the lost would view it. And, you know, often the verse that we would quote um, is Romans 8.28. We say, all things work together for good to them that love God and to them who are the called according to His purpose. And, and I think we like to quote that verse once the trouble has ended and we've come through it. But really, that, that should apply and that should, uh, that should be a comfort to us even while we're going through the hardship or the lack. And so what we're going to see in our text, we're going to see the people of God, the nation of Israel here in the Old Testament, and they're, they're given a greater hardship. Notice with me, look at Exodus chapter 5, look at verse 1. And afterward Moses and Aaron went in and told Pharaoh, Thus saith the Lord God of Israel, Let my people go, that they may hold a feast unto me in the wilderness. And Pharaoh said, Who is the Lord that I should obey his voice to let Israel go? I know not the Lord, neither will I let Israel go. And they said, The God of the Hebrews hath met with us, Let us grow, we pray thee, three days' journey into the desert and sacrifice unto the Lord our God, lest he fall upon upon us with pestilence or with the sword. And the kings of Egypt said unto them, Wherefore do ye, Moses and Aaron, let the people from their works get you unto your burdens? And so he dismisses them. He says, you know, why take them away from their work? And Pharaoh said, Behold, the people of the land now are many. And notice now he's speaking to his uh, his quarters there, and he says, you make them rest from their burdens. And, and really, you think about the situation that the nation of Israel found themselves in. They were slaves in Egypt. They had been making those treasure cities for Pharaoh, and now uh, for 400 years, they had been crying out to be delivered from this place. And Pharaoh commanded the same day the taskmasters of the people and their officers saying, notice his response to the request that that they would be let go. Ye shall no more give the people straw to make brick, as heretofore. Let them go and gather straw for themselves. And the tale of the bricks which they did make heretofore, ye shall lay upon them. Ye shall not diminish aught thereof, for they be idle. 
Therefore they cry, saying, let us go and sacrifice to our God. So he reasons with those that had charge over these slaves, these, the people of God. He's saying, you know, we used to provide straw. Now even that, because of this request, because of their desire to want to do something for God and, and, and get out of this place to follow their God, I'm going to make it even harder for them. And, and isn't it always the, the, the case as we go forth and try to do something for God when we make that decision earlier on? We didn't read it in Exodus chapter 4. At the end of it, when Aaron and Moses turn up to, to speak to the people about the, the, the fact that God had sent them to deliver them from Egypt, they worshipped and they bowed. They were excited. And, and how many of us, when we are confronted with a truth that drives us forward in our Christian faith, we go away and then the, the first thing that meets us so often is a test, is a denial. And, and that's what's happening here. This was uh, the first request of what we're going to see later on, many, many, many requests to, to be let go. But the response was this, I'm going to, uh, you're in hardship, I'm going to put even greater hardship. And isn't it interesting that, that, the, that Pharaoh looked at the people of God and he said, you know, um, they're, they're too restful in their work. I'm going to make it harder for them. I'm going to take away the straw that they need to make the bricks, that they need to build up my treasure cities. And don't be, don't, uh, don't, uh, don't uh, be fooled into thinking that, that when you work for the world, it's for your, it's for your cause. When we have the mentality that, that, uh, that we're just comfortable in our situation and not, are, are not heavenly minded, really we're toiling, uh, we're toiling in, in, in great burden. And, and what Pharaoh was trying to do and what the, the devil who is pictured in the person of Pharaoh it tries to do, it, he's trying to burden us so much that we won't follow God. And sometimes in our hardship, God, uh, and we're going to see here that, that even in this hardship, God had a great purpose. Um, and so in our text, we see that. So in response to the crying, that God gives them Moses to, to now be a deliverer, and He's giving them now an, an out. And initially, again, the people were full of belief, and then they were met with this test. And I don't know if you've ever been um, brick making. I don't know if you've ever seen how that's done. And uh, I don't know if you've ever tried to even lay bricks. A anyone tried to lay bricks? Any, any, any want to testify to that? Um, if you see the the front wall on the on the Alice Street side, uh, it was us and a couple of fellas that tried to attempt that initially. And uh, if you saw how we started, boy, it was pretty poor. But in our minds, we were thinking, "Wow, we grew up with Lego. I mean, we could probably do this." Uh, but it's actually quite difficult. But, you know, the, the blessing for us was this. We were just trying to lay them. We weren't trying to make those bricks. The, the, the Israelites here, they, they had to make the bricks. And, and here, it's even harder now. In response to their desire to go forward for the Lord, there's a greater test. And now their straw's taking away. The, the straw was needed so, so that the, the, um, the mud and all of that material could bind together. And so that the bricks, when they dried up, wouldn't crumble. And now they're finding, in, according to Pharaoh's demands, they're no longer not even going to be provided with the straw. The, the lack of resources that they already had, there's going to be even less resources. There's going to be now greater affliction. There's going to be now greater, uh, greater hardship that's been put upon uh, these people here. And, 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 you know, they're going to go through a greater 
test of their resolve to get out of this place of Egypt. And yet what we see was God wasn't just allowing this to to bring hardship upon their life. What God was trying to do was to allow them to go through this test so not only he uh, so so that he would uh, get them not only along their journey but then also to prepare them for their journey because what we're going to see uh, later on as we turn to different scriptures is this uh, whilst the people were crying out to be delivered they also were getting used to Egypt they also had Egypt very much in their heart they also had very much as they look back uh, once they're now on their journey, they, they long for the things of Egypt. And, and you know, we as God's people, sometimes as we groan and as we even f- uh, find hardship in this, wa- uh, in this life, unbeknownst to us, if we're not careful and guarded, the world's getting into us. And, and sometimes in, in God preparing us to grow, He's not only go- trying to get us on a journey, He's trying to grow us by removing some things in our lives. And, and the way God will do that is, is what we're going to find. God will often send some hardship. God will often send some sort of concern or affliction uh, upon us that He allows. And the, the people of God didn't simply need to leave Egypt. Egypt had to be removed out of them. And, and the real issue wasn't let my people go. Rather, the question was, will my people go? Will they actually go? And at times, God in His wisdom will send affliction and irritation to get us moving and turning the right direction. And we can think of many other examples. You think about the, the life of the, of the person named Job. Remember Job? Job thought that he was a, a man who was upright, and God even testified that he was a one that eschewed evil, but God still had to work on him about other things. God still had to purify him further. God still had to refine him further. And later on, when we read at the end of the story, Job's life was turned double. He got an increase from God because of the refining. We think about Saul, who was the the heads and shoulders above. And when God granted the request of the people to find a king, Saul was the one that God looked to to lead the nation. And yet the journey started with an irritation. You know what it was? some lost donkeys that got him on the journey that God needed him to go to. We think about Jonah. Jonah was trying to run away from God. God had a special calling for Jonah. And Jonah was, uh, was running away from God. And what did God do? God sent uh, some, uh, some opposition in the form of a storm. And the storm rocked their boat and, and, and he finds himself uh, thrown overboard. And then that giant, uh, that great fish, that whale, uh, swallowed Jonah up and, and redirected his path. You know what it was? It was, a, it was an irritation. It, it, was a, it was a trial. It was a hardship. He got tossed off the boat. If you read right through the, the book of Judges, Judges, if you were to graph it, was like this undulating uh, up and down of the, of the history of the nation of Israel. And so oftentimes when the nation were backslid and they went, God sent some enemies to irritate and to concern them and to cause some hardship so that they would cry out. And then God would send a judge and bring him back to him. We see even in the life of the New Testament church, the, the first church in Jerusalem, 
how they were just uh, in unity as we heard about on Sunday night, how they were, uh, they were there and, and people were getting saved and yet God's command was for them to go, wasn't it? And what did God do? He sent great persecution to scatter the people so that they would go. And so we see this pattern and pattern and, and I don't know what it is for you that God has to do in your life to, to get you moving and growing but for the people, it was simply this. It was just some straw. God took away the straw. And God could use the little thing in your life. God could take away a resource. God could, could get your attention. And, and certainly even in the life of Moses, he used the burning bush. And maybe this morning, as you're observing your life, you're wondering, why is, why is God trying to, why is God allowing this into my life? Why is, is this irritation here? Why is this hardship here? Why is this affliction happening in my life? And I want to I just simply give you the tale of the bricks this morning to, to perhaps answer that question for you and perhaps help us to, to understand from, uh, from God's perspective why it is that He allows some hardships and some disappointments and some of those troubles to come into our lives. And, and I don't know what it is for you, but for the people of Israel, the journey started with some lacking of straw. It was the straw that broke them. And we're going to start to see that. And let's pray we'll ask the Lord to bless as we get into the rest of the message. Father God, we just want to thank you, Lord, for the opportunity that we have to be able to learn. And, and Lord, the amazing thing about you, dear God, is, is nothing, nothing surprises you. Lord, even in the things that surprise us, even in the things that, that we see as hardship that we we groan about. Lord, even in that, you have a purpose. Even in that, we, you, have a, you have a very real um, reason, Lord, for allowing that into our lives. And Father, as we observe the life of the, the Israelites here in this story, help us to understand, Lord, your meaning. Help us, Lord, to look to you even this morning, to, Lord, to apply into our hearts what, what it is that you would have us to learn. And I pray that you'd help us this morning in Jesus' most precious, holy, wonderful name. Amen. And so we read the, the uh, text there in, in Exodus chapter 5, and we note there that, again, the response of, of Pharaoh was to not let the people go, but to, to send hardship. And, and yet, you know, we, ought to, we shouldn't be surprised about that. In Exodus chapter 1, and, and as the story develops, we know even as, as God called Moses, that he told Moses that he was going to allow Pharaoh's heart to be hardened, that this wasn't going to be a, an easy thing, that, that God was going to allow that for a reason. We're going to see that, that later on in Romans chapter 9. But, you know, I think firstly, at times, God brings us to a place of, of toil, of hardship, of affliction, of disappointment, of opposition to help us look for something greater or more satisfying. And, and again, we're going to see here firstly, uh, the, the way God does that is is he allows hardship, firstly, to make us unsatisfied with this world. You know, it's easy to be satisfied with this world. That's why the Bible over and over again warns us about not loving this world. Doesn't he say, love not the world, neither the things that are in the world? And he talks to us about the, the, the lust of the flesh, the pride of life, and all of those things that that, that make up this world. The, the Bible tells us about Moses that he forsook the pleasures of sin. 
And we understand that the pleasures of this world, they're alluring. And, and while the, whilst the people were in Egypt for, uh, for that uh, purpose there, they were going through, they were slaves and they were going through already some hardship. There was also the, the something in their hearts that was happening. They were starting to get used to the world. They were starting to get used to the course of the world. And the, the great picture of Egypt in the Bible is Egypt is a great type and picture of the world, right? It's a picture of, of worldliness. It's a picture of the system of this world. And you see, God isn't about making us satisfied by this world. The, the great picture of the Exodus was that God was preparing His people to leave a place of comfortable toil to a place of promised rest. And this is the, the part of the process. The, 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 there was a, a very real desire in the people here to just go about and just go about their business. In Exodus chapter 16, notice there, look at, look at Exodus chapter 16, we know this. Because when they face some hardships along the way, and, and by the way, there's nothing like a hardship or an affliction in our lives that really brings out the truth about our lives. And here we see as, as God still, as, they, as the people journeyed through to the promised land, we see something's coming out of their heart. Look at Exodus chapter 16. And look at verse 1. And they took their journey from Elam. And all the congregation of the children of Israel came unto the wilderness of Sin, which is between Elam and Sinai on the 15th day of the second month after the departing out of the land of Egypt. And notice this in verse 2. And the whole congregation of the children of Israel murmured against Moses and Aaron in the wilderness. They murmured. They, they, weren't, they weren't in a comfortable place as they journeyed to the promised land. And the children of Israel said unto them, Would to God, we had died by the hand of the Lord in the land of Egypt. Um, can you take a flashback a minute? They were slaves in Egypt. When we sat by the flesh pots, and when we did eat bread to the full, for we have brought us, uh, for ye have brought us forth into this wilderness to kill this whole assembly with hunger. What an accusation. But you know what that brought forth was, was in, in a tight spot. They longed for Egypt. They longed for the flesh pots. In other passages of Scripture, um, they speak about the onions and the leeks and the garlic and the cucumber. Boy, sorry. That sounds like a pizza, doesn't it? But anyway, anything sounds like a pizza to me. But you, you talk about that and you, you, you understand that that was innate in their heart. It was in their heart. They still desired the old place. And, and, and you know, if we're not careful, Christian, the world can, can, can so easily in its deception and its, in its allurement, its, its bright light and its treasures can get into our hearts too. And, and what God does with hardship is this. He's trying to remove He's trying to remove that satisfaction in this world so that we could look for something better. And you know, at, at salvation, prior to salvation, the world was all we knew, wasn't it? That was all we knew. The world told us that if you do this, this, and this, then you'll be happy. But, but there's this, uh, some authors call it existential angst. There's just some, an inner longing for something. And nothing could satisfy it. 
and anything that, that we tried to do, there was just something missing. And, and, and yet we see here that, that so often we as God's people, we should know better. But, you know, uh, you think about the societies around the world now. And, and it used to be that, that wherever you were, you were, just, you were just satisfied living there somewhat. It used to be that, you know, if you were living in a third world country, you didn't know any better. You didn't know that you, you know, you going to the well and, and, and drawing the bucket from the well was, was, really, was really pretty simplistic. You didn't know that there was, in other places around the world, there was running water. And so you just lived with that. But then the dawning of the internet and the information age, you know, even in the deepest, darkest jungles of Vanuatu, they have, they have mobile phones. Did you know that? There's people in loincloths with a, with a mobile phone patch right next to them. But, but because of internet, and now everyone can see how everyone else can live, they know that, oh, there's something better. And that's how what happened to us as believers. You know, we don't need to live for this world anymore. Church, this morning. Uh, you know, we have a great hymn in our hymn book, This World is Not My Home. And it's true, this world is not my home. I'm just a passing through. My treasures are laid up somewhere beyond the blue. The angels beckon me from heaven's open door, and I can't feel at home in this world anymore. But I want to say this, and and it's not an accusatory tone here this morning. Sadly, so many Christians feel at home here. They feel very comfortable with the world. They feel very comfortable with the world's entertainment. They feel very comfortable with the world's ambitions. They they, They feel very comfortable with the world's values. And what they're longing for, instead of longing for heaven, and instead of longing for home, They've made their home here. And, and the, the, they got found out. And, and part of the reason why God allowed this hardship was to start to root out that, that idea that they could be satisfied right there. That, that they were going to get, they, they thought their life was hard, but if they stayed there, their life was going to get harder. That, that if they just espoused the values and the desires of Egypt, that, that even though they, they call out and call out, if their hearts didn't change, then they were still going to be right there. And I believe there are reasons God brings us to a place of hardships, a hardship where our resources are depleted and our toil seems to become heavier and our situations become harder and we find ourselves stretched beyond our own capacity. And the reason is this, to make us unsatisfied with this world. You see, the Bible tells us in Psalm 30, uh, 34, verse 8, Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. And, and can I remind you this morning, and maybe God's allowing some, some unsatisfaction in your life, maybe God's alerting you this morning with a hardship, with an affliction, with some toil in your life to remind you this world is not your home. We shouldn't find our satisfaction here. And to do that, sometimes God has to take away the thing. And here for the Israelites, He took away the the straw. He took it away to get them on that journey. You know, um, there's that principle in in the New Testament about putting off the old man so we can put on the new man. And too many Christians, whilst they may be journeying, 
And whilst they may be taking steps along, there's still that worldliness in their heart. And what God wants to do is root it out of us. Because it's not just about removing us out of Egypt. It's removing Egypt from us. And so he used the, the tail of the bricks. He took away the straw. You know, Jeremiah 2.13, the Bible says, For my people have committed two evils. They have forsaken me, the fountain of living waters. And I love that story of the woman of Samaria where, where she, she spoke about, and the Lord Jesus spoke about how He's going to give her living waters. But even in the Old Testament, He's saying, they've committed two evils. They've hewed out them, them out cisterns, broken cisterns that can hold no water. And He's speaking about the, the world there. He's speaking about the fact that sometimes even God's people get satisfied with the here and now. And can I, can I remind you today, again, that perhaps God's brought some hardship and brought some things in your life to help you look for a better thing. Because this world's never going to satisfy us. If you're truly saved here this morning, this world's never going to be good enough. The, the, the things of this world will never fill the void of, of heaven, fill the void of, of Christ, our true rest, which we'll see in a bit. But firstly, to make us unsatisfied with this world. But then secondly, to make us needy, to make us needy for His resourcing. You understand that, that when, when Pharaoh took away the straw, it was a, really he was trying to deplete them of just a common resource. And there's nothing like taking something that is just something that we, we take for granted. You, you, ever, you ever had a plumbing issue in your house? And suddenly, you know that tap that you used to just freely turn and water would come out? Just for a day or two, maybe, you just there's no water. Some of you ladies are like, you mean I can't shower twice? Yeah. Can you imagine that? Imagine those things that we sort of take for granted. Uh, imagine those that, that have, a, you know, that you, you, we enjoy the sunshine and maybe those who have an allergy against the, the sun and they can't get as much of that, you know, that thing that we sort of take for granted. And here the, the people just took for granted that straw will be there and God allowed and he even used Pharaoh to take that away. And suddenly the thing that they said, oh, well, it's just, we'll have straw. It just got taken away. And, and what it was is this. God was trying to make them needy for his resourcing. Because they had just grown too comfortable in Egypt and, and all that Egypt provided them. And can I just say, God's people were never meant to look to Egypt for their sustaining even in their work. You know, even as we work, sometimes we get this idea that we, we work for a living. But we just, we, we don't, we don't, we just work to, to live. We don't live to work. You know, God has a greater purpose for us. You know, for those of you, and, and many of you, you're, you're, you'll head to work tomorrow. You know, that's not, your work isn't what provides you. God could take that away like that, can't he? God, that's, not, that's not what provides for you. God's the one that provides for you. And God could easily take that away. And God even here was trying to get their attention. God took that away from them. Why? Because He was trying to get them to be needy for His resourcing. See, God's people were meant to look for, to Him for their resourcing. 
for their sustaining, for their strength. We see later on, look at uh, Romans chapter 9, verse 17. And the, the context of that chapter is all about mercy. God will give mercy to whom He'll, he'll give mercy. And He's saying about, He's, he's speaking about uh, the, the, the people of Israel in, in, in this time. In verse 17, For the Scripture saith unto Pharaoh, Even for this same purpose have I raised thee up. So He raised Pharaoh up for this reason, that I might, might show my power in thee, that my name might be declared throughout all the earth. And he was the irritant. He was the one that, that caused them to be depleted. And God's purpose in that was so that he can show his mercy. And you know what really what mercy is? is Mercy is God providing the things that we don't deserve. God, God's given those things to us. Um, and, and later on we see even in the promised land, God was going to be the one to resource him. Look at Deuteronomy chapter 11. Look at Deuteronomy chapter 11. So they're, they're, they're going to enter into the promised land. And he's reminding them about some things here in verse 7. It says, but your eyes have seen all the great acts of the Lord which he did. Therefore shall ye keep all the commandments which I command you this day, that ye may be strong and go in and possess the land whither ye go to possess it, and that ye may prolong your days in the land which the Lord sware unto your fathers to give unto them and to their seed a land that floweth with milk and honey. Notice what he says, For the land whither thou goest in to possess it is not as the land of Egypt. He say it's different. It's not like what it was from whence you came out where thou sowest thy seed and waters with thy foot as a garden of herbs. He's saying, you know, you're not going to have that river of Nile. You're not going to have that, that thing that is the lifeblood of Egypt. It's different. You were never meant to stay there, and, and you, you became satisfied with the river, with that thing that was just in Egypt. And, and what the people did was they would simply just, you know, dig in with their heel a little bit and dig through, and, and the water would come to, to them. And he's saying it's going to be different to that. You know, you, you were never to rely on the land. You were never to rely on that. He says, but the land whither you go to possess it is a land of hills and valleys and drinketh water of the rain of heaven. He's saying, you know, I'm not going to give you those, that river Nile. I'm going to give you rain. I'm going to sustain you with my miracle, a, a land which the Lord thy God careth for. The eyes of the Lord thy God are always upon it from the beginning of the year even unto the end of the year. And it shall come to pass, if you shall hearken diligently unto my commandments, which I command you this day, to love the Lord your God, to serve Him with all your heart and with all your soul. He's saying you're supposed to be fully engaged with me that I will give you the rain of your land in this due season. The first rain and the latter rain that thou mayest gather in thy corn and thy wine and thine oil. He said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to provide for you. I'm going to resource you. You know, you, you, you still rely on your toil. You really you still rely on the, the, those resources that Egypt gave you. And it's, this land's not going to be like that. And I'm saying, church, so many times we live just like the world. We're thinking, you know, the things of this world are the things that are going to sustain us. And we never look to God. We never look at His, His providing hand and we never thank Him. For all that He does for us. 
we look at our education. We look at the, the riches, and, and perhaps even more so in, in, a, in, a, in a first world country like we live in, the blessing of living in Australia can be a curse to us because we start to look at the bountifulness of our land and we forget it was God that gave it in the first place. And we go about and we, we live just like the world. We, we go about and we, we ambition just like the world and we never approach this land in our, in our situation as God's people with an acknowledgement that the resources come from God. And you know what happens when we realize that we are needy? We, we start to cry out. When we start to recognize that it's not us in our toil that will provide, it's God in His grace and His mercy that will provide, then we start to call out to Him. You, you ever been around someone who they've just faced some real disappointment? Maybe they lost their job. Maybe they, they, they invested in something and they, they lost it all. And if they, they've got some sort of walk with God, you know what they're going to do? They're going to start to pray. They're going to start to suddenly take their prayer life at the no, another level. You know why? Because they recognize that it wasn't the, the things of this world that was... They recognize that they got to look to God even more. But you know, that, just because we're, 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 we're in a situation where maybe you have plenty, doesn't mean you should rely on your plenty. It just means you should look to God. And we shouldn't take it for granted. And sometimes God has to allow a hardship in our lives. Sometimes God has to allow some things into our lives that will, will, will cause us to be uncomfortable and and, and, you know, God is not always about our comfort. He does comfort us. But it's not about our comfort. Sometimes He makes us uncomfortable if we would just follow the will of God. If that will lead us to the will of God in our lives. And, and, and so here he, he gets them to understand they're, they're needy for His resourcing. I think about the psalmist in Psalm 18.6. He says this, In my distress I called upon the Lord. And cried unto my God. He heard my voice out of his temple. And my cry came before him even into his ears. And you know too many of God's people have looked to the resources of this world. To do a spiritual work. And have been comforted by, this, uh, have been comforted by the seeming riches of this world. Rather than looking to God. For his resourcing and his provision. See Psalm 20 verse 7 tells us some trust in chariots. And some in horses. But we will remember the name of the Lord our God. And nothing like a time of lacking, a time of hardship that makes us look up. You know, too many times, too many times we grow comfortable. And, and you know, the, the true test of a, I believe the true test of Christianity is if we will look to God when we are comfortable. You know, Christians thrive more when we're when we're less comfortable. And many times, many times, God will allow hardship, disappointment, affliction, trouble, maybe to just make us needy for His resourcing. But then lastly, lastly and really quickly, to make us long for our promised rest. Because that was, was it was all about. See, for the, for the people, it was about a removal from this place so that, they, that the people of God could follow the will of God for them. 
and, and, and find themselves in the promised land. And, and in that land was promised rest. See, their toil without straw, it contrasted with the rest that God had promised them. And look at Exodus chapter 1. Go back to Exodus and, and notice here, Exodus chapter 1. And look at verse 11. And so here they, they, were, they, were now, uh, they were now become slaves in Egypt where they found uh, initially a welcome. They were now found to be strangers. In verse 11, therefore they did set over them taskmasters to afflict them with their burdens. Notice this. And they built for Pharaoh, not, not for them, not for God. They built for Pharaoh treasure cities. Pithom and Ramesses. And so they built these treasure cities. Now contrast that to, to the end of the story. Look at Joshua. Look at Joshua chapter 24. And here towards the end of Joshua's life, he's, uh, God is, is uh, communicating to them what He has given them. Notice here, look at Joshua chapter 24. Now look at verse 13. So He, he was the one He sent, uh, remember, uh, He sent ahead of them fear in the hearts of the people. He, he sent some things that, that caused them to, uh, to, to battle and all of that, but, but quite easily uh, gained the promised land. But in verse 13, he says, And I have given you a land for which you did not labor. And notice this, And cities which you built not. He's saying in Egypt... You toiled to build treasure cities. But here in the promised land, in your rest, I'm going to give you cities that you built not. I, I did that for you. And he says, you built not. And you dwell in them. Of the vineyards and olive yards which you planted, not do you eat. He says, you didn't even plant these and you eat of it. I've given you that. And, and what he's contrasting here is this. You know, in Egypt, we toil and labor. And we toil and labor. But in Christ, we rest. We rest. You know, in our lost state, we toiled with no power to do what we were tasked. We toiled. We, we tried to keep the commandments. We couldn't do it, though. We were powerless. And yet we had no rest in our sins. Yet Jesus promised that we would have rest from our toil because He's the one that's done the work. That's grace. And salvation is about getting, going from the strain of the doing to the peace of the done. And when we go through toil and hardship in this life, we yearn, we ought to anyway, for a greater rest in Him. You know, aren't you glad that Matthew eleven twenty eight 28 is in the book? He says, come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. You see, they could, have, they could have just stuck with toiling away in Egypt. But God needed to remove them, and then God needed to remove from them the wall. You know why? Because He had a promised rest to give them. And, and Christian, can I say that, that when you live for the world, you're going to have a hard task master. But when you live for God, you've got a master who will give you rest. And maybe you're toiling away. 
Maybe you're sort of laboring, what's this life for? And maybe you just need reminding. Maybe God's bringing some hardship. Maybe God's brought some toil in your life recently to remind you that you can rest in Him. That, that you, you're building cities with your toil and labor, and God's going to give you cities that you built not. There's a great picture of heaven. You know, you, 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 get a, you, you, you work all your life here in this life to, to purchase a home, but in Christ, He's going to give you a mansion that you built not, that you didn't have to earn, that you didn't have to save for. He just gave you a, an inheritance incorruptible that fadeth not away. And, you know, we have in this life, even as we journey, that great promise. And that's why the Bible tells us, look at Colossians chapter 3 and we'll be done. Look at Colossians chapter 3. And here if you're saved, it's great admonition to us. He says, if ye then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above. Where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Say, set your affection on, the th on things above, not on things on the earth. So the question here this morning is this. As we learn about the tale of the bricks, where's your affection? Is God just, just reminding you this morning that you're not going to find satisfaction in this world? That, that, that those things that we so look at as our resources, that can be taken away. And in the first place, it's God that resources. And we won't find rest here. We'll only find rest in Christ. And He is our rest. See, the tale of the bricks helps us understand that at times, God permits affliction in our lives to bring us out of hope in this world, but rather place our hope in Him. And maybe today you're in a place of, of affliction. Maybe you're going through some trouble and toil. Can I encourage you this morning that you can look to your Savior. You, look, you can look to Him for your hope and for your rest. He is extending His mighty arms to help. And, you know, that was the thing about, about the Israelites. God had extended His arm. God had said, lean, lean on my everlasting arms. And too many times we lean on our own understanding. Too many times we, we won't care to admit it, but our affections are here. And that's why the hardships here seems to be, you know, the Bible tells us later on, our light affliction, which is but for a moment. It's going to cause a, a, a greater weight of glory. And the psalmist said this in Psalm 119, verse 17, It is good for me that I have been afflicted that I might learn thy statutes. And, and there was, there's just a reason. Your, your, your hardship in this life, we don't need to just view it like the world does. God's given us a reason, and that's sometimes to just move us out from the place where He doesn't need us to be. He wants us to get on a journey to look to the things that are better. And, and I hope that this morning... We would just take comfort in the fact that, that though we're, we're depleted, though at times God will allow an irritation or a disturbance in our lives, that He still has a greater purpose. And yes, 
all things do work together for good to them who love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. Let's pray. Father God, we just want to thank you, Lord, for the opportunity that we have today. Lord, to glean in your word just a, Lord, really a, a, a principle that we can observe in our lives. And help us, Lord, to be, Lord, just, Lord, a little bit more wise about the reasons and the purposes that you allow. Lord, even hardships and disappointments and afflictions into our lives. And Father, I don't know everyone's situation this morning. I don't know what they're going through. But I do know this. You said that as man is born, so is he born to trouble. And at times, Lord, you allow those in our lives to bring us to a place of looking to you, of getting on that journey toward the rest that you promised us. And so I pray that you'd help, Lord. I pray that, Lord, if there's anyone here that needs to know you as their Savior, that you would work in their hearts. And I pray, Lord, that you would do that work in their heart, Lord, to bring them out, to call them, Lord, to, uh, to salvation in you. And then, Lord, for us as Christians, that you would, you would do that work of removing, Lord, Egypt from us, preparing us for our destiny, preparing us for your, your promised rest. So I pray that you'd help us this morning. Every head bowed, every eye closed, no one looking around. The piano can begin to play and I'm going to take our time this morning to have an invitation. And firstly, I want to ask you if you're here this morning and no one looking around, please. If I were to ask you this question, if you were to die today, would you know for sure that your sins are forgiven, that heaven's your home? Has there ever been a time where you called out to Christ to save you? I'm not asking if you're religious. I'm not asking if you're a good person. The Bible tells us all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Maybe you're here this morning and you'd say, well, I don't have any rest. I, 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 don't, I, I don't see a difference in my life. And, and maybe this morning you recognize, uh, maybe I'm not saved and I'd like to get that settled this morning. Is there anyone this morning, just say with an uplifted hand, I'll just pray for you, I won't call you out. I just say, Pastor, pray for me, I'm not sure I'm saved. Is there anyone this morning, just with an uplifted hand? Pastor, I'm not sure. Please pray for me. Is there anyone here? All right, then Christian, I wonder if God's doing a work in you. I wonder if you're here just... Just to testify this morning, Pastor, just pray for me. I'm going through some hardship. I'm going through some, something now, and I'd like to, for you to pray for me. Is there anyone this morning? Just say, Pastor, would you pray for me? Anyone this morning? See that hand. Anyone else? See that hand. See that hand. See that hand. Anyone else? See that hand. Pastor, God's trying to get my attention, perhaps. And maybe this morning you'd say, Pastor, help me. Pray for me that I might look to God in, in this situation. Is there anyone this morning just say, Pastor, pray for me. I want to look to God. I want to look to God. See those hands. See those hands. Right, let's all stand to our feet. No one looking around. If you raise your hand, or if, even if you didn't raise your hand, I want you to take some time to pray. And I want to encourage you to use the altar this morning. Take some time. Maybe there's some things that you just are so burdened about. And 
And, and I pray that God gave you some hope this morning. Maybe you're here this morning and you recognize in your life God was, God's trying to get your attention because there's just some things in Egypt there. Some things that, that God's got, there's just some affection there that you need to focus on Christ, focus on heaven. And uh, maybe God's working on you in regard to that. But whatever it is, may you just do some business with the Lord this morning as a piano plays.